friends, welcome to episode 169 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are you doing, Rob? I am anxious because my game is this weekend. Oh, yeah, you're getting that little, uh, little butterflies, little performance anxiety? Always. Yeah. You know, that's it's a normal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I did something different. Okay. Uh, well... I tried something different with this one. I have not really prepped. Ooh. I have not really prepped. I wrote up uh, – it took me a while to figure out how I want to do this adventure because I, I knew what the thing was. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question that the MacGuffin is the MacGuffin in this story. Like yep. you guys are going to get something and bring it back. It's that simple. Like this is practically a milk run. Yep. yep. So it was a matter of like how do I make it fun for high-level characters – in within my realm within the story and start bringing some plot stuff together. So I had to kick that around. And uh, yesterday I went for a walk, and usually I have somebody who joins me uh, out of the group, but uh, nobody did. Uh, and so I ended up calling uh, one of our one of my dear friends, mm-hmm. Steve, and asked him. I was like, "Hey, do you mind if I kind of like run you through the adventure, like as one of the players, and an almost choose your own adventure style, where like you just yeah, sure. give me answers." And it worked great. Good. And, you know, because all he wanted to know was, does it feel like you're being railroaded mm-hmm. or does it feel very organic? Like, how are you feeling? He was like, no, this is very organic. I could tell where I could have made other decisions and it would have changed things. The, yeah, sure. The flow was all there and all the events were there. No, it was good. It was good. And I'm like, okay. excellent. So that made me feel very confident. But one of the things that it did for me was kind of the rubber duck kind of development tool thing. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Was it immediately showed me what things I was lacking informationally. Mm-hmm. That, that I thought I had had, and I was like, ooh, no, that really doesn't work in that order. Okay, I'm going to have to reorder and think about this. So it was, it was a good rubber duck test for me. Good. Um, good just good, to good. have a, you know someone who's not involved in my game and really doesn't know the plot or anything, but knows enough to say, okay, well, what's going on with this particular adventure? I thought that that was a pretty good tool. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's always really good. I know yeah. uh, I sometimes I, I bounce a lot of stuff off of you, which is a little tricky because sometimes uh, you're in my game. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Uh, but it's always good to have that one friend you can you can just uh, be like, here's my plot. Yeah, like you know, you you like hearing my stories because you help. Could you you know give me a once over on this? Actually, kind believe, of believe it or not, uh, the, the 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 mutual friend of ours, Steve, that you were talking yeah, to, yeah. Uh, his his wife is actually the one that I, I bounce uh, off of. Yeah, I, yeah, I bounce she's... all my stuff off. Uh, she knows my entire plot. No, she she loves it too. Uh, like... She also comes to my games as kind of the, the peanut gallery, you know, uh, to to uh, also Why come not? And, you yeah. know, uh, hang out and, and, and support her husband and stuff like that who plays my game. And uh, uh, so it's great having her there because she's such an enthusiastic spectator mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. my game. Yep. And I've occasionally even handed her speaking parts for yep. NPCs and whatnot. So it's been it's been fun. Um, it's been fun to have her there. So, but yeah, she, no, she's 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 definitely uh, probably the closest thing to an out of game sounding board that I have. So no, I I think <clears throat> I think that is an unsung hero of of good DMs is that there's somebody who's a soundboard who sits just outside of the game. Yep. You know who can, yep. who you can just run your plots past. You know and be like, am I losing my mind? Am I too deep into this? You know, kind of a thing, and and help pull you around. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So and then we both had mouse this weekend yeah which was wonderful uh, again really good conversations came out of it which was which is always wonderful i think so yeah um but even low energy mouse guard games are still a lot of fun yeah like they're they're easy going i love it it's yeah, yeah. it's it is you know it's picnic kind of role playing and i love that mouse guard for me like man it's it's such a um uh what, what do they call it like a look like a, like a slow a slow burn mm-hmm. you know 
Um, the plot in our game, um, is, it's a lot of, like, the sort of typical, like, go around to the different settlements and just save them from whatever wilderness creatures that happen to be terrorizing them at the right. point. But in the background, there's this, be- there's been this thing with these weasels, mm-hmm. um, that are, like, the only other sentient animals in, in, in Mouse Guard, and, uh... Ferrets and weasels, yeah. They're, like, starting a war with us. It feels like that, or at least encroaching on territory. There's been a lot of espionage going on, and, like, there's this real slow burn feeling of just, like, in one or two game sessions, it's just going to break out into all-out war, you know? Maybe, maybe. It's it's kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting, so. Yeah, you're never quite sure what's next, and I I like it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So... Um, but we were talking about uh, this over the last couple of weeks about different sounding boards. And one of the things we both do with our research is we'll often look at Reddit, we'll look at other forums, you know, we'll, we'll see things that run across Instagram. And we both ran across this same post on Reddit that it was talking specifics post that was talking about the person's uh, PCs that were in their game being overpowered. Yeah, yeah, in a very odd way. And we're not going to dissect that post directly, necessarily, like, and go through every detail of it, but it's kind of endemic of a lot of posts that are out there. Yeah, there was, um, it, it really sparked both of your, your and I's kind of a, a imagination and, and, um, uh, inspired us to really want to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Because there was kind of a lot going on there. I, uh, well, <clears throat> n- not just, like, at the storyteller level. Not Yeah, not just at the storyteller level. I believe it or not, actually, a lot with the player level. Mm-hmm. So what um, what the thread mostly was was a uh, – it was in r slash um, DM Academy, and the uh, the poster uh, was the was the DM for the for the Dungeons & Dragons group, um, and was saying that basically his, uh, his players insisted on playing as – and I quote, broken PCs. Yes. Um, and he felt that it, that it was it was ruining his game. Yeah, they insisted on playing with all optional rules mm-hmm. at tenth level. They rolled all of their stats, but they they rolled like four sets of four d six. Drop one. Four d six. Drop the one. They rolled four sets of them. Yeah. And then rather than choosing the set of six that they liked the best, which is traditional, they chose their individual scores. Out of the, like, 24 different roles that they made and stuff like that. Which is ridiculous, yeah. Um, actually ran through uh, a lot of that. And, and this, this I, I'm going to lead with this because this is the stuff we're not going to cover in the right, discussion. Right, exactly. Um, but in this particular instance, um, there was a lot of people who started adding things up mm-hmm. and talking to the original poster, the OP, um, who was uh, giving them some feedback and clarifying some things that weren't, that weren't in the original post. Um, and they discovered a lot of cheating by their players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so amongst all the other problems that we're going to discuss about this, mm-hmm. on top of all this, his players were cheating and stretching the numbers and yeah. a bunch of different things like that. So, yeah. So what this came down to was a kind of a two part discussion for, for Sarah and I that, that all blended into one, which was. This concept that not only like that I actually play with, which is is that uh, players as powerful heroes, mm-hmm. you know, and in some cases overpowered heroes. I mean, I would I would dare to say that my current uh, game that I'm running for D and D is overpowered heroes, but not 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 in a, a negative sense. I don't. I, I believe it or not, in the grand scheme of D and D, 
I don't think we're overpowered in your game at all, honestly. Well, um, I, I mean, I think D&D as a whole that's what I'm runs saying. as magical superheroes. Yes, yes. Like, so there's already that level of, of, of things, but, but as far as, like, are are we on the high end of D&D characters? I don't think we are at all. I, you know, it, but I, I think within the setting is where I'm kind of refraining. Like, literally, there's nothing realistically in the setting that I've set up in my world mm-hmm. that kind of compares to you. Yeah, that's fair. And so that's in fair. that sense, I see it, but it's not truly overpowered as we're about to state it, which is that, like, near god level, untouchable, you know, everything basically bounces off of them because they're, you know, rolling with advantage and everything rolls with disadvantage against whatever they're doing and their saves are almost perfect every time. Those yeah, types of yeah. over over uh, challenging like some people and I I remember this when I started playing D&D, people min-maxing their characters so that they were so good at one thing that basically everyone had their one thing they were amazing at. Mm-hmm. And they would just put that person into that position, and they would never fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, your your fighter was an impervious tank. Nothing mm-hmm. could put it down. You know, your cleric was always instantaneous on healing. Your <clears throat> wizard was always able to decimate anything with magic. Your mm-hmm. rogue was instantaneously on top of something and literally picked up a bag of dice and dumped it on the table when they needed Dropping to crit sneak attacks exactly four times a turn exactly yeah. those types of things you know your archer was firing magical arrows that shot lightning bolts and blew things up you know right 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 you know it was it was always that level of of commitment to d- crafting your perfect character mm-hmm. you know um and in that sense it's overpowered but again it's one leaning one way leaning in those types of things yeah, within so like the balance. You are a you are a, a master of exactly one thing, but you know I dare say that impervious tank probably isn't making a lot of say like persuasion rolls to you know to charm exactly. the uh, you know charm charm the guards or something like that. You know, um, but like when when you start getting into you know talking about things that are overpowered and whatnot, you know usually you do have those sorts of balances where mm-hmm. even. Even if you min-max, you can only min-max in one direction. Exactly, you know? exactly. So you've got weak points everywhere else, but you're mm-hmm. exceptionally good at doing the one thing. Mm-hmm. And you've got to make sure that, you know, you're putting your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you start failing. Um, and we, I, I think, like, the type of overpowered that we're talking about is when you start um, rounding out those those weak points mm-hmm. with more strong points. Like the, like you were saying with them changing the way the array that they were using for dice creation and the, of the characters themselves, they literally altered the standard array, which gives you that highs and lows and mids. Oh, well, I mean, they didn't alter the standard array. I mean, they rolled for their stats, but they rolled... If, if there was a bunch of people who were like, if they rolled for these stats, then they they all had exception. Like they should all get lottery tickets right now right. for the stats that they got, and some of them still didn't add up. Right. Uh, but like the standard array that you mentioned is there specifically to give you a fair distribution of points. Yes. So you have a couple of high stats, you have a couple of middle stats, and you have a couple of low stats, so that you do get that balanced. I'm strong in this, but I'm weak in that. Right. You know, like these, these were, I, I mean, I'm going to say it. These were D and D Mary Sue's, but they were like, I don't know, Sir Mary Sue's like the knightly order of Mary Sue's because they were perfect. Like they were unstoppable forces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no weaknesses, nothing but <clears throat> strengths, no, no angle to get into them. Right. Like right. they were the worst can of tuna, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now I, I, I do want to, 
qualify this too. Like, if you are running that this style of game where, like, everybody's super OP and, and you're basically just gods among men and stuff like that, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. No, there's, there's actual whole settings written around that design. Yeah, I mean, basically. I mean, you know, there's there's settings around playing gods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, hell, Aberrant is basically that. I was literally going to say that. Like, Aberrant is the closest you can get that still has tactics. I mean, I mean <laughs> Car is on the melee weapons list. Yeah. In Aberrant, so... Yeah. <laughs> but, know? I mean, and then you have that on the... And I'll, I'll say Aberrant is still a tactical game in design because there's mechanics for rolling damage and things like that. Yeah. And then you step into something like Masks, which literally is, you're a superhero doing superhero things. We get that. <clears throat> That's your day job. Right. What we're focusing on is... What happens behind the mask? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's those types of stories is that that isn't the important thing. Like, sure, maybe you're doing Stardew, you know, Skyrim, where your character is literally a badass who goes out and does their Skyrim job and is an awesome person. But the story is actually about them returning home right. and dealing with their kids and their farm, you know. Uh, but but anyway, see, doing but if if you are going to allow your players to be overpowered like this and you know max out their stats and be covered in magic items and stuff like that it looks at not necessarily bad but you need to understand that it's going to create a very specific type of story for mm-hmm. you and unless you are outright setting out to play a living gods style of story mm-hmm. and I, I i would propose a different system if you were other than D&D because there there are game systems that are like like you said they're literally built around I want to play a superpower, you know, hero or, or, or a god. Um, but what it's going to give you is a power fantasy. And uh, a power fantasy is basically just like any sort of story that is specifically just designed to make you feel powerful. Um, you're going to trounce every enemy. You're going to seduce every NPC. Um, you will never feel weak in a power in a, in a power fantasy. And if you do... Your other strengths are going to compensate for it, you know. So if somebody makes fun of you and hurts your feelings, like you smash them with your twenty-five strength, you know. Yeah, yeah. You do, you don't try to negotiate; it's just over. Right. Their life ends right, right. there. Right. And, that, and who's going to stop you? And that's just a power fantasy. And look, some games are power fantasies. They're just they're just glorious little romps where nothing can ever touch you, and you all have fun at the end of the night. You crack open a couple cold ones with the boys, and and you have a good time. I, I want to be very clear from the onset of the discussion. We are not bagging on power fantasies. No, no, that's it. It is a, we are playing a role playing game that is part of role play, sure. but it's understanding that that's what you're doing. <clears throat> exactly. It's like don't just, don't masquerade it as something else. Lean into it. Have just, fun. Right. Just understand that if you do that, you are going to get that style of story. Yeah. Um. So the question then is like is having overpowered PCs, and I mean this in an unintentional way, when Correct. you're not deliberately trying to create the power fantasy, or writing a story about the amount of power, Right. is that okay to let your PCs kind of get out of hand? The My first response is, if your PCs are getting out of hand and the story is affected by it, then there has to be a discussion. There has to be some kind of an understanding. And unfortunately, I think there's still that preconception out there that a reckoning has to happen, you know, that in game you handle it with a reckoning kind of a thing. And I, I think that that that's that instant discipline kind of mind frame that comes out of those situations of of you must discipline the children. 
because they've gone too far. Yeah, but at the same time, though, um, it, it kind of is a matter of needing to discipline the children. And I don't mean that from the standpoint of, like, oh, you've got to spank them. You Which know? is what kind of it feels like that that almost still feels like the initial still that that still the that initial response that we all still have from years of of being behind the screen of that that sort of like uh dm versus players mentality where that adversarialness exactly yeah. if, the, if your players do something that displeases you you want to give them extra tough monsters or you want to take their powers away or you right want to. right or even like at the beginning of the game just saying no to something yeah like hey i want to play this uh uh this this flying race like of birds okay it's it's out of this other supplement well, wait, wait, wait are you saying that as a punitive thing or are you saying this is something you should do no i'm saying this is like saying no to a player who wants to be this just because it it has no place in your game and clearly is just an advantage they're trying to get their hands on right 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 yeah no I, and then that's i'm saying this is this is how you get to um this is how you remedy this. This is how you nip it in the bud before it has a chance to be a problem mm-hmm. um, is is by saying no. And I agree. I, I yeah. agree with that. But there's so many people who are like, you can't do that. Like, I wouldn't say half the Internet, but a lot of the vocal people on in, in the forums are just like, well, you can't stifle creativity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you called them. What did you call them, Karens? I did. I, I, <laughs> we I, were talking about this earlier, and he's like, "Oh yeah, they're they're all Karens." And yeah. I'm like, "What do you mean by Karens?" No, one hundred percent. Like the customer is always right, and the players are your customer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, first off, I'm just gonna lay this out right now. We are not clerks at a store, and you're coming in to purchase things called D and D game. Right. That is not how this works in the least. So you get you get players who are and, and you you'll get you'll get crappy advice out there because mm-hmm. I've seen it dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times. So many times where people will tell tell you like you can't say no to your players that stifles their creativity. Like I want to play an Eric like you were saying I want to play an Eric Okra. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to just fly? You just want to fly around? Like do you have a cool Eric Okra concept? Like did you read into their lore and were inspired to make a, con- a character? Oh no, I just want to fly. Okay. So you, I, I, I would prefer you don't. Oh, come on! It'd be really cool. Cool for who? Cool for you. Not cool for me because I need to now think in three dimensions every single time I come up with an encounter. Not only that, but if I start mixing in anti-air, you know, uh, uh, things such as like archers and whatnot that can hit you up there, yeah, you're going to feel like it's punitive, right? And I will feel like it's mandatory because I need to be able to deal with you. Because if I don't, the other option is you fly over everyone's heads and you are un- entirely untouchable. Yeah. You and... have advantage and they have disadvantage and, like, none, no ground effects affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I going to do? Put everything inside now, yeah. too? Now, now I've got to change my entire design? Exactly. So the easier thing is for me to just say no if I don't feel like dealing with that, you know? And you'll have some people out there who say, well, you're stifling that player's creativity. And that's not stifling their creativity. First off, I guarantee nine times out of ten when somebody wants to do something like that, it's not because it's a creative and artistic choice of their vast inner expression. It's probably because they read something on Reddit or saw a YouTube video that said this is an, this is an OP way to make a and d character. I mean, how many years have we seen on YouTube like, hey – 
you know, this is the OP way of making a ranger, or yeah. this is the best build for making an X. Yeah. It, they're all out there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, builds are out there the, the, for every game, and D&D is no different <clears throat> there, whatsoever. There are plenty of choices they can make without all, you know, without you having to allow something that is going to make the game harder for you. And I, I, I will come back to one point that we had made not long ago when talking about the, the, the versions of D&D, mm-hmm. when... When 4th edition came, or 3.5 came out, I should say, it felt very much like World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. which was huge. 4. Or 4 came four, out. Yeah. It was very much like World of Warcraft, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And builds were all the rage. People were making builds. Yep. And it leaned back to that players versus the story. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to find the way to do the highest DPS, you yeah. know, and, and take the less damage. And, yeah. And, you know, what you, it's all about the cracking the damage meters. It's about the damage meters, you mm-hmm. know. There was the, the role play was out the door. It was all about getting back to the table of tactics. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, um, and then the other the other one you'll hear all the time is it's their game. You're just running it. Man, I just want to slap those people. And straight up, I want to be clear that that is straight up wrong. Yeah, I will fight anybody who insists on this. Uh, I, yeah. I, will, I will. I will absolutely argue with you on this one. Um, the storyteller is also a player. Mm-hmm. And is therefore entitled to be having fun running their own game. Yeah. For the and, amount of work that you and I put into both of our games. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I can't speak for the, the work anybody, any other storyteller does, but I know the amount of work you put in, mm-hmm. and I know the amount of work I put in. Mm-hmm. And when I show up to your game, it's refreshing. Because you know what I bring to the table? My tablet mm-hmm. and some dice. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. The only work I did was showed up. Mm-hmm. Most of the time on time. <laughs> Truth. Sometimes not even that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the week's worth of work you put into writing it. And I'm going to tell you how you have to run your game to mm-hmm. make it fun for me. Yeah. No. Not and, gonna and, and talk for a minimum of, you know, two hours worth of just talk time. Yeah. After the fa- after doing all the setup, after doing everything else that that's being done, after crafting music, after making sure there's boards, after preparing things, and h- hell, if you're also hosting, yeah, you know, and making, making sure your sh- house is clean, that you've got snacks, that you're set up, yeah. and that everybody can be comfortable, you know, and and making sure everything's right. Like, I'm sorry, no, that's not how that works. Yeah, like, <laughs> on the other hand, if you're paying for a d- DM. And you're paying for the place where they're staying, and you're paying for all of the food and everything, and they're literally running you a story. You might have a slight leg to stand on, but even then, still no, no, still no. <laughs> yeah. I can still tell you that that person did a lot, and yeah. you need to respect that level. Exactly. Um. So the other the other thing that kind of causes players to kind of lean into into their power fantasies and become overpowered and stuff like that is, um. Players being under the assumption that they were, they're always going to win, yeah, um, and that leads to another sense of entitlement, and not not a sense of entitlement to I can do whatever I want as far as making my character goes and whatnot, or dictating how the story is going to go, but they feel a sense of entitlement towards victory, yeah, in the with uh, uh, within the story. Um, you've heard us say this before, and I think this really kind of comes down to the crux of what we mean when we say it. Balance is a crutch. 100% agree. You hear the word balance all the time. Is this game system balanced? Is our warlocks balanced against wizards? Is this is this weapon OP or is it balanced? And 
uh, it was a real big shock for me, like moving over to Savage Worlds, because I came from Dungeons and Dragons, where a lot of things are. You hear that word balance all the damn time. And Savage Worlds does not try to balance itself. Um, I was like, well, how do you make a balanced encounter? And they're like, you just don't. And I'm like, how do I not slaughter my, my, my players then? And they're like, well, I mean, you don't really get that guarantee in real life. You know, if, if the, the if the mob boss has 12 mooks with miniguns, they've got 12 mooks with miniguns. Your players need to decide if they want to stand in front of that or not. Correct. And I kind of went, oh, wow, that's correct. Mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. like there's there's no like the mob boss is never going to go like all right uh five of you mooks go away and put away your miniguns and you you and you pull out knives because uh there's no way they're going to be able to beat you with all those miniguns with all those machine guns you know it's like okay it's a in a movie the guy's going to put down his gun and pull out a knife and fight you like honorable honorably like, no may, maybe no no he's going to literally shoot you yeah. twice in the knees so what what we're getting at is if, if if you balanced encounters, by balancing encounters, you are essentially making sure that the players will always have challenges they will win, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if they're reasonable about it, and or the have dice, a greater chance, yeah, yeah, or or if the, you know if, if unless the dice absolutely screw them, uh, they should win balanced encounters, and if you're balancing every encounter, they will mm-hmm. always win, yeah. And so if you ever try to hand them a defeat, it's going to feel oppressive yeah. to them, yeah. you know, because that's just not the style of game that you're winning, that you're running. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that a, that a new group, you should immediately always, you know, uh, complete party wipe at least once. Just so they know what that feels like and get accepting of it. <laughs> like then, then the Dark te- Souls. As they're, all, as they're all crying over their characters, just T-pose on them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like, <laughs> just take their character sheets away from them. Yeah. Do a little do a little pose and then resume the game, you know. Give them the point down. Um, so, like, you know, okay, so how, how do you – how do you get around this whole balance being a crutch and, and your players feeling entitled to victory? Well, simple. Hand them a defeat. Mm-hmm. Give them – Give them a, a an insurmountable obstacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, hand them a problem they can't just smash. Yeah, that requires out of the box thinking. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's if you're not necessarily. Like, I mean, you know, you you were joking about TPKing them, but yeah. I mean, that's not really what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But you know, showing them the option that, like, you know, maybe this isn't something you should be fighting right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe retreat is your option. Yeah. Maybe you guys are going about this wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe throwing all your highest level spell slots at the thing isn't what's going to get to get the job done. Yeah, or or even the no one wants to talk to you anymore. Like you go to the you know you go to the market and stalls close up. Mm-hmm. People take their children off the street. Yeah, that's you not know? a that's not a problem. You can just saving throw your way out of or whatever. Right, or we'll know? leave this town. We'll go somewhere else. You know, and you show up somewhere else, and everybody's okay with you. Until one of you says your name, and then literally the bar goes quiet. Mm-hmm. They all kind of give you a look, and then the innkeeper's just like, you know, we're full up tonight. You know, when moments ago they had rooms already. And you throw money down, and he's just like, yeah, we don't need that tonight. Yep. We know what you bring. Yep. Exactly. Given the consequences of their actions, they can't just they can't just smash that. It's not a combat encounter. No, you know? no. They, and, and they can tra- tantrum like children. Sure. And then 
Usually what happens when I've, when I've heard of stuff like that is the party starts tearing itself apart. Well, you did this. What do you mean I did this? Like, you made the decision that we killed those guys. That's got to be what this is all about, you mm. know, kind of a thing. What you hope for <clears> is <throat> that they start thinking long and hard about how they've been rolling and that they, they, right. they reassess and they, 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 they course correct. Yep, you know? yep. But uh, oh, it's going to – it's definitely going to, like, going to fundamentally change the type of characters they have. Without a doubt. Without um, a doubt. And the game itself. And, it, and the game you're going to get may, out of it. And yeah. your game because yeah. they may be saying, you know, this isn't what we, we signed up for. And the answer was, what do you think you did sign up for? A yeah. story where you could just do whatever you wanted? Right, right. You know, oh, yeah, this is Grand Theft Auto. Open world. Enjoy yourself. Do what you want. Yeah. Trash the place. Who cares? There's some people who play like that, yeah. It is very true. They That's definitely true. do. But, uh, you know, again, if everybody's not everybody's enjoying that experience, something's got to change. Yeah, and I, I think this kind of fits in here a little bit mm -hmm. just before we, we, we step out of this, and that is is that part of that is the psychology of yourself as a storyteller stepping in and, and being able to oh, sure. stand up for yourself. Sure, absolutely. Which I feel is most of the problems that we read about. Well, the, uh, getting getting back to the original um, uh, discussion that this took place from, that was one. Like, aside from the player cheating, that was the other big thing. Mm -hmm. Was that they they started realizing that a lot of these problems happened because the players were dictating the game to the to the DM, not the other way around. Yeah, I mean, going so far as to like they, you know, they can handle everything. There's nothing that they can't do. And the question very quickly became. What are you allowing them like are you, are they telling you when they're rolling persuasion checks? Yeah. And and making a t and making these ambushes? Like you can have an ambush even if they're alert. Like they're right. not alert 24/7. You know, there are moments where you can get around that stuff, but at the same time like what are you get, get, letting them do? I mean, obviously, from the beginning, you just kind of accepted what they were doing because it's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from, from from the beginning, it was like they they insisted on rolling their their their, their characters this way. They insisted that they allow every homebrew and mm -hmm. and an uh, expansion book, um, and they insisted on you know these alternate rules and whatnot out of the DM's guide. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, you, there was a lot of that, like, oh, uh, I I tried telling them that that wouldn't work, and then every time I do that, they pull out the rule book on me, and they, you know, point to something. They, they point to something in the rule book, and so I just, you know, I'm afraid of that happening, so I just I just let them do stuff essentially. And it's yeah. like, wow, man, like that's the heart of your problem right there. You got to mm -hmm. stop saying yes and. Mm -hmm. Yes and works wonderfully from like a plot standpoint. To a know? degree, yeah, yeah, I agree. It, 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 it's it's good improv advice, but you have to understand that D and D fundamentally separates itself from improv in a lot of significant ways, and you can't always yes and. You mm -hmm. absolutely must say no or no but. Mm -hmm. You know, and it just was not was not saying no ever mm -hmm. and was just afraid of his players dictating things to him. So we just let him do it. Yeah. You know, which I just can't agree with. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I guess what that comes back to is have you failed as a storyteller? Should that person not storytell? No, no, absolutely. Look, look, this sort of thing, tables get away from everyone. I agree. I've had tables get away from me. I'm sure you've had tables get away from you. Um, and it, it usually starts very light 
Um, mm-hmm. It's it's that sort of like frog boiling in the in the pot sort How of. How much analogy. can they get away with? Yeah, where they they ask you for one concession, and you're like, all right, cool. I, I guess I could do that. Rule of cool wise, you know. Sure. Okay, well, you 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 let me have that. Would you let me have this since that other thing worked? Uh, or it's part of this. All know? right, I guess I can see that. And then three asks later, you're like. Oh God, I've I've let you just turn yourself into a demigod, you know, yeah, one trick pony that can literally annihilate everything. Yeah, and since I allowed it once, now I've got to allow it all the time because I feel like I can't say no to you now because I feel like I'm being a jerk to my friend, mm-hmm. and I just want you to have fun, but you yeah. know, yep, exactly. And you end up in this position. I've I've had it happen to me. I'm sure you've had it happen to you. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I think there is an edge there of, of giving some and like, cause in your mind, you're like, well, maybe it will be kind of fun to have that. Mm-hmm. Cause again, you're, you're a fan of your players to a degree yeah, and you're wanting your game to be a good game and allow them to have their say a few says in it. It makes sense. And yeah. then when it turns out that it's becoming something negative to you as the storyteller, maybe not to the party, but to you mm-hmm. and it's adversely affecting the story. It becomes kind of sticky to pull that stuff back. Yeah. But I think communication is the right way to go. Like, if you're not enjoying it, that's you communicating. It's it's still supporting your players but saying, hey, this thing that you asked for isn't working for me. It isn't working the way that I thought it was going to, and I feel like it's outbalancing the game. And that right there... I think provides even more the more of a meaningful change than the characters learning something in story. It's learning your table mm-hmm. because at that point, if that player's like, "No, dude, you gave this to me," like it's mine, and uh, you know, just just deal with it. Now, now you know everything you need to know about that player. Yeah, well, I mean, you figure you got one of two one of two things. You either first off, like you said, you know everything you need to know about that player. You know right. that player values their personal power more than your happiness and enjoyment of the game. Right. Okay. So that 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 tells you something. That's a data point. Mm-hmm. You can you can act kind of how, however you want. Right. Right. Um. Sometimes you're gonna look at that player and you're gonna go, okay, clearly you need this. More than I need, you know, right? Like me, look, maybe, maybe some, I, I, cause I've, I've been there, especially mm-hmm. when I was one, like, like mid transition and I was like really super depressed all the time, man, I needed a victory, man. I needed a power fantasy because being able to like rain fireballs down on my enemies was the only thing going right for me. It was the only way I had any sort of, you know, agency or power in any story being told, you know, with, with me at the time. Sometimes as a friend, you stand back, you hand your friend a flamethrower and you let them burn down the world. Go, and to, you just, go to town, buddy. You just, you just clap and laugh with them. You're not doing anything, but it's a lot of fun that they're having and that's important yep. to you. Yep. Some Sometimes they just need it. Yeah. Sometimes... They're just a dick. Yep. But it can't be all the time. It can't be all the time. It can't be all the time. So, yeah. you know, like I said, it's, it's a data point. You do with it what you will. You assess what that means to you at your table. I'm not I'm not saying it's 100% that they're a jerk. I've yeah. been that jerk. It's just because I was going through a rough part in my time. But... No, I get it. And I guess you said it best, and I think it's something we've said a couple of times in the show and that uh, when it comes to, to really resolving this, mm-hmm. and what we just discussed even, is if it's an in-game problem, fix it in-game. Yeah. But if really the problem is out of game, don't fix it in-game. 
don't try and fix overpowered players who are literally cheating the system and and have you know godlike abilities and are telling you what to do mm-hmm. in game. You're not going to win. Yeah, that's it's not a win. It's you're never going to reach them. Right through that right. method. If if you can if you can throw monsters at them day and night and they defeat them all and stuff like that you're not going to throw that one magical monster that finally teaches them a valuable lesson like what the magical Leoporodon is not going to save all problems. Magical Leoporodon of hope and wonder. Yeah, no, not gonna not gonna solve any problems. This is definitely something. If this starts happening and you are not having fun at your own table, you solve this problem out of game. You sit down, you have a talk like a bunch of adults. Um, and you, you solve it that way. Yeah. And we discussed power dynamics. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. This yeah. is, this is the overt power dynamic that there has to be a certain sense of that for the game to function. Yes. It, it has to be there. No different than you're at a, someone's home. And I don't know how many times I saw this when I was in high school is I would go to a friend's party. And there was clearly a power dynamic at that party where someone was running who, someone who was hosting the party wasn't running the party it was someone who showed up Mm -hmm. and that party had a very different feel very different vibe yeah yeah at that point you are not in control and you have to be in control of that situation yeah and bad things happen Mm -hmm. because that person has no consequences for their actions nor do they care yeah there are no brakes on that train yep Yep. yeah they're just rolling straight on exactly so that that power dynamic as much as people are like well power dynamics are bad no, it's an important part of the functionality of the game. No, I mean, power dynamics aren't bad any more than, like, tropes are bad. They're just things that exist. Mm-hmm. Like, you're always going to have a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to make sure that power dynamic is appropriate to your table. Well, not only is appropriate, but is healthy and recognized by all. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. You, you don't have a power dynamic that is unknown. Yeah. At that point, you you it's nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. When it's known and everyone is accepting of that, that's the way this functions, which is why – that is literally why in D&D the book states the DM has the final say. Yeah. That sets the power dynamic. Yeah. That's the one rule that person should have gone back to the book every time in. When I was when I was first getting into role-playing, uh, the uh, the first rule I learned about storytelling is that the DM uh, – rule number one, the DM is always right. Mm-hmm. Rule number two, if the DM is not right, see rule number one. Correct. Uh, and I don't know where along the way we got away from that. You know, I I, I, I want to say that there's a whole show that we could do on a teardown on that. Mm-hmm. But part of me believes that, to a degree, MMOs, DM-less yeah. role-playing games. Yeah, probably. You, 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 I think maybe, maybe with that sort of shift in MMOs, you it came. There came an ex- expect to. Uh, I'll try this one again. Expectation. Expectation. Thank you. Uh, that the DM was more there to facilitate putting the monsters in front of you much in the same way that the MMO would. Yes. And that you're playing your character just to DPS your way through the dungeon. Correct. And get the loot on the far side. And the only thing you're playing against is the dice. Right. Right. And the storyteller is just there to say like, oh, this this is this monster and that's that monster. Mm-hmm. You know, they designed the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's – Yeah. I, I see where that I see where that could possibly happen. Yeah, yeah, and then, I mean that's that's a very light, graceful step into that and and a step out. Um, now, one thing I do want to add on the end of this, mm-hmm. uh, if I might, um, is that uh, one of the other 
pieces of advice that I saw in that in that thread, mm-hmm. and I, I I didn't get to, to write it down here on the show sheet, so I'm sorry for ambushing you this with, with this. Oh, you're fine. Um, is sometimes the best solution is just to end the game. No, I 100% agree. Uh, like for instance, uh, in this in this particular example that we're basing this discussion on, mm-hmm. uh, you know. He said, like he he was talking about like oh I, I built this elaborate trap for them and there was like eighteen different monsters some of them were invisible some of them oh had the the, stuff the uh, jail he had them yeah. disarmed tie, uh, shackled up in a magical prison designed for them because they were notorious yes with with all kinds of prison guards invisible and hiding and assassin like and everything else two game sessions worth of con- combat and they were out and they just uh, trounced everything literally yeah. walked out the front door kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, now there was there was some problems with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, somebody pointed out to like, how are they casting all their spells if they're shackled? Mm-hmm. There's no somatic components, and you said you had them stripped down, so none of them had any of their spell foci or uh, or their material components. How are they casting all these spells? And the OP did come back and go, oh, I forgot about that. Right. They just told me they could cast these spells, and because they browbeat me with everything else, I just believed them. Mm-hmm. You know? That that person was gaslit, manipulated, and 100% like... Oh, yeah. Subverted. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But... Walk away from that game. Something that somebody table. else said to them was like, just end the game. Mm-hmm. Don't and don't don't quit. Like, you know, don't be like, hey, I'm not having any fun anymore. I'm taking my toys and going home. But like end of the story what other challenge are you ever going to throw in front of them mm-hmm. that will further the story yeah they're not look they're if they're at that point of power you throw the big bad evil guy in front of them to go ah finally we're going to have the, our, our final confrontation let them beat the crap out of them one shot them whatever they're going to do with their with their super op characters and they're cheating and and, mm-hmm. and they're and they're whatever and then go gee guys that was a great game you beat the big bad evil guy end of this chapter let's start again new mm-hmm. and, maybe, seemed, and, and that maybe you have yeah. a new discussion with them in your new session zero about what house rules you are and aren't going to yeah. use we're going to use the book and that's it, and no special rules. We're using standard array. You are not rolling stats. Right. Yeah. Because the last game wasn't a challenge at all for you. Let's yep. make it a challenge. Let's try a new type of story. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We do have some really great questions that Nevim sent in. Yeah. Uh, again, pulling it out, and I, I love it. I love them. Probably going to finish up a little bit early here, actually. Yeah. We got some stuff we can talk about within yeah. these. Okay. So, uh, first question. Uh, how to know a PC is going to be overpowered? Ooh. That's a great question. Uh, I start with the thing of, hey, do you, do you think it'd be cool if I is a great statement when it, when it, when it starts manipulating mechanics? Yep. Like if somebody wants to start going into other things, if their first things out of their mouth is about mechanics, mm-hmm. they're, they're leaning to OP. Yeah, I think that that's probably the first red flag for me mm-hmm. is during character creation. Um, if you're like, hey, we're going to tell a story about just a band of ragtag mercenaries, you know, just just a bunch of nobodies who, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And you, you kind of set a stage and the first thing they do is go, hey, what if I played this completely out of left field character that doesn't sound like it fits with your story at all and is a weird amalgamation of uncanny things? Yeah. That is your first red flag. I think the second one I'm is... I'm going to be a half-damp-fear, uh, warlock, bard, sorcerer, or multi-class. You think that would be cool? Oh, I'm Dragonborn as well. Oh, what are you trying to do here, buddy? Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, 
I think the other one for me is people who, when you pitch your campaign to them, <coughs> they all say, well, can we start at like level three or level five? You know, because I, I, I want a multi-class. I, I want to have a couple different abilities. Oh, mm-hmm. like, no. Like that, that right there, if you, if you were unprepared as a storyteller for that, like if it isn't something, if this isn't a group that you're comfortable with, that you've been running stuff with, and they're just like, you know, we really don't want to start at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, can we just kind of step up a little bit? That's fine. Sure. And you're That's like, fine. do you mind? Because I, I really liked playing a wizard last time, but like, I felt like I was kind of useless in this aspect. So I'm thinking of taking like a level of bard. You know, because I want to, I kind of want to lean into that, but at the same time, it'd be kind of cool if my character was also like, like a magical, you know, a, a caster who did all these other fun things, and it, it'd be kind of a neat role-playing thing. Sure, whatever. I, I think those kind of things, oh, but starting with a new group that immediately wants to start at a higher level that you're not comfortable with, or with options you're not comfortable with, like, comes back to down to your, your gut telling you, like, if they're like, hey, can I, and you immediately like, Right there, just just stop it. Yep. There's there's no reason to lean into that further. If you're uneasy about it, don't let them sell you on it. Yeah, yeah. Don't. This isn't a used car lot. You're not kicking the tires and having this say. You know, this D, this paladin can hold 110 hit points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? This baby can hold so many smites in him. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of what it feels like. Um, I I think my my next uh, my next big red flag on the road is uh, when they ask to rule of cool something a second time, or when they ask to rule of cool something based on the last rule of cool that you did. Yeah, because that leads to the ex uh, uh, escalation that we were talking about, where it's like, okay, well, you let me get away with this, therefore that means I can get away with this. Right, and once they start going on that track of a therefore b therefore c it's never going to end yeah because clearly they're putting their character's power and the, the 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 cool things that their character can do their own power fantasy above any sort of ruling you're trying to or any sort of stability in your game that you're trying to keep yep sounds good um next one how to avoid situation leading to over overpowering a PC. Okay. I need everybody out there, new storytellers, old storytellers, uh, prospective storytellers. Hell, even if you're just a player. Yep. I need you to repeat after me right now, okay? No. You don't have to say it loud. Say it with me. No. no. That is how you avoid a, a, a PC getting overpowered. Yep. It is okay to say. You can you say it at any it. point. You should apply it liberally. So, like, player hands you their sheet for review. No. Hand it back to them. You should You should do something yep. else. Yep. At any time, you have that right to just say, no thank you. This is not going to fit in my game. This is not going to fit in the type of story that we are going to be trying to tell. Uh, I feel like this is overpowered and broken, and I don't want to allow it in my game. All of these things can be said, but no is a complete sentence. And as a player, accept the no graciously. Mm-hmm. Just accept it. Understand that they're not kicking you out of their game. They don't hate you as a person. It's not personal. This is the DM's X card. Exactly. They have the right to just say no. That is a brilliant way of putting it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. 
Are you okay? I'm fine. There it's... was a tea spillage. It was fresh, hot tea. I just wanted to make sure that... I'm fine. I'm fine. I got excited that you said that I said something cool. Oh. <laughs> no, I, I, I bounced off my phone because it was being stupid. Oh. But c- please continue with your thought. No. Um... I'm trying to remember what my thought was. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it, it is it's, their X card. It's, it's, it's their X card. Um, again, I'm going to harken back to, you know, remember that your, your storyteller puts a lot of work into this. Okay. They have to account for a lot of things. And so if your initial impulse to want to lean into your own power fantasy is to, um, request a bunch of special things that are like super powerful and stuff like that, what you're essentially asking them to do is account for a bunch of variables in every single encounter they build. And then try to make that encounter engaging. Um, I'm going to say balanced. I, I know I went on a whole screed about the word balance. And now, stuff hold that, but... on. I'm, I'm going to throw in there. Sometimes when we're talking about balance, we're also talking about just balance within the group. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's kind of a thing. But also, what does it feel like that within the world? Like, okay, you want to play that, uh, I can't think of the name of the flying creature. Aarakocra. Aarakocra. If that's not even in your setting, how do you – now you have to make it fit in. Right, right. Uh, and I, I just I just mean balance from the standpoint of I, I don't want you to, you know, every encounter just be able to do that one that one trick that you do and instantly win every fight. Yeah. Because – or, like I said, you know, or have to plan every single encounter around that mm-hmm. and then – make you feel like you're punished for having chosen that thing because I constantly have counters in it for it. Yeah. You know? And and I'm not even going to say, I'm, I'm going to add this in there as well, is that even in games unlike D&D that have this where someone tricks themselves in a specific direction, like even in 7C, like you're a duelist. You're an amazing duelist. You're an unbelievable duelist. So as a storyteller, you just don't do a lot of duels and now they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything to do. You literally have to balance toward that. So now sure. every once in a while you have to throw in a duel, which you didn't plan on doing because this wasn't going to be a game full of dueling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, in, in my group I've got a blaster caster who, uh, um, you know, throws fireballs at everything. The, mm-hmm. the center of the fireball goes here is mm-hmm. his tagline. On, on a regular um, basis. So, you know, every couple fights or so I throw in a bunch of, uh, bunch of like, low toughness enemies. Bowling pins. There you go. Here's some bowling pins. Knock yep. them down, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Wham. Feels awesome for him. Um, you know, for you, you have this, this, this whole, like, crusader thing. So I threw in a whole plot of, of you having to, you know, get, getting a magical sword and fighting some undead and stuff like that, but made it politically intriguing because I also know that mm-hmm. you as a player enjoy that. I do, you know? I do. I've got a noble in my group who enjoys playing with noble, rubbing elbows and, mm-hmm. and making connections and stuff like that. So I put several scenes in there where they, they were able to, you know, rub rub elbows with higher-ups and stuff like that. I make sure that's part of my story. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense in my story. I'm not just – it's not just fan service. Right. But I make sure that it's part of it because I want to be a fan of my players, you know. But that doesn't mean that I have to cater to them every single time. Right. Not every fight is going to have a bunch of low low hit point mooks. Right. Not every plot is going to involve nobles and wheeling and dealing. Right. You know. Um, the la- and I think this kind of leans to the last question, which is, uh, is there a way to have some overpowered PCs and still have, make the game fun and enjoyable for everyone at the table? Yes, I think there is a way to do that. I don't think it's a healthy thing to have somebody who's overpowered at the table and everybody else who's like normal. But the best thing that I can say to something like that is you often end up getting 
one person having a power fantasy and everyone else managing that fantasy. Yeah. And the outcomes of that fantasy, which sometimes can be something that they want to deal with. I mean, literally look at the show The Boys. If you've seen any of the episodes or or at least understand the concept of it, you have basically a godlike character Mm -hmm. running around with people who are managing that godlike character. I want to be very clear that the godlike character in that story is the villain. I'm I'm with you. Okay. (laughs) But but what I'm saying is is that if you look at the setting, it's an odd way of handling it. Yeah. Like you're not – like up to a certain point in that storyline, not necessarily the actual – what we're seeing within it, like – Invincible is another good example of that, where you literally just have a godlike person working with other superheroes for a period of time. It just so happens you come into the story when they become basically the villain. Mm-hmm. But up to that point, they were just managing that crap. Yeah, like, yeah. what did they have to do to manage that? Now, that being said, there's other systems that literally lean into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids on bikes, everyone plays the overpowered character, an aspect of the overpowered character. Well, sure, but but that's not what Nevum's asking about because that's not a that's not an overpowered PC. Correct. That's technically an NPC with a mechanic built around manipulating. Right. That's a mechanical thing. Yeah. What what he's saying is that could you get away with it at a table? And what I'm saying is you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. The only way you can is if everyone at the table is in on that. If it's part of the mechanics I get what of saying. the story. I get what you're saying. Okay. So, for instance, is like this story is no longer – the story is the same. There's a, It's a war-torn country, and you've got this high-powered paladin who's the head of your group. Mm-hmm. And he is out for blood constantly because he's a paladin of the wrecker, whatever, right? Sure. He's custom-built himself a class and did all this stuff because he basically just wants an overpowered fantasy. Mm-hmm. The rest of you are his cadre of friends who have literally been in his unit since the beginning of time dealing with this war-torn area and – how people are looking at him and you. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. Like, can you keep your reputation up while you have this bloodthirsty monster who's also your friend at the end of the day? That would I mean, that would be an interesting, like, one of your party members is essentially playing the villain, you know? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, I, I guess I guess it's, it's a very specific premise, but it could work. I mean, it, but I'm saying is, is that everyone has to be in on it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone does. That's the only way that that works because then it is a cooperative story. Uh, what the the only way I I think I think my answer to this question um is and it's it's kind of dodging the question honestly. The question says some overpowered PC and still make the gun uh, the 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 enjoyable uh, game enjoyable for fun uh, for everyone around the table. God, I butchered that sentence. I'm sorry. You're doing fine. Um. I think kind of going back to what you originally said, actually, believe it or not, at the beginning of this episode about a group of players that are all overpowered, but only in one – well, not overpowered, but streamlined to do a job, you know. Glass cannoned to a point. Right. Like, again, you know, kind of of referencing my group, you've got – like, if if you need masses of stuff blown up with fireballs i know who to ask you know you ask tristan for that right. you don't ask Rigar for that you don't ask you know uh, thalian for that nope. but if you need to talk to high society if you need a silver tongue devil you again you know who, you're asking thalian for that and tristan's gonna sit this one out because mm-hmm. he's kind of a you know uh, he's, he's, he's one trick pony he's a one trick pony yeah i mean 
suede doesn't necessarily make it feel that way, but at the same regard, yeah, that it's still people leaning into their jobs, mm-hmm. which kind of is how adventurer party may, are made. You have a role. Exactly. exactly. It's role-based partying. And if everyone is good at everything at all times, why are you even a party? Yeah. Other yeah. than you're a mob of villains. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So. Um, I do want to... Uh, Knox in the box asked a question here in the live chat. Um, do you give the strongest person, like uh, talking about this this uh, 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 power dynamic? Yeah. Um, when you've got one OP character, sure. Uh, in the group, do you give the strongest person more responsibility? Great power equals great great responsibility, and all that. Oh, I think you do one hundred percent. But at the same time, they're not the sole weight of it. It's still the group. Because at that point, they're they're not the only one with the responsibility. I disagree. Okay, I disagree. Why? I think the only, I think the best answer to repair your group dynamic, if one oh. player is out of the, is is overpowered, okay. okay, is to give more responsibility and therefore more limelight, more plot time, more attention to your other players. Because one player is already getting to live out their power fantasy. I see what you're saying. I agree with that statement. As not to overshadow your other players, I think the exact opposite is true. You give more power and responsibility and attention to your other players at the table so that they can also live out some power fantasies. No, I agree with that. I thought it was uh, referring back to the design that I had said where everyone is in on it. Oh and no, you're no, no! Managing? No, that. I don't. And, I don't think yeah. so. No, I, I think. So. I think if it, if we were dealing with it, I agree with that statement. Is you basically just turn it? We we've talked about the like super ninja uh, stealth character who's playing a rogue that basically goes off and does whatever the hell they want. Sure, you you give them a scene, and then everyone else is doing other things that are part of plot, and you give them the line like constantly, and you just have that person being chased after every once in a while, or have. You know, have signs put up for them saying that they're they're the most wanted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. All right. Well, I think we uh, we belabored this point enough. I don't know if we belabored it. I think we peeled it apart pretty well. Well, yeah, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's our show. We don't belabor crap. <laughs> we're the ones with the microphones. Fair enough. Fair so enough. So we're we're back to 101s because next week is August first uh, first Wednesday in the month. It's a, it's going to be back to 101 time. So we're going to talk about populating your world. Um, this is an attempt to, uh, uh, in a one-on-one uh, stance, make world building less scary for beginners here. Um, how do you write NPCs? How do you write organizations? How do you make your world feel alive without sitting down and writing, you know, the next Game of Thrones book? And and likewise, I mean, you don't have to list out everything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make high details. This isn't like a novel. This isn't the encyclopedia well, you're campaign don't get a hold of you don't get ahead of yourself we'll give that advice out next uh, uh next episode i, I suppose but I that suppose will be too. the topic of discussion how to populate your world and make it feel lived in for beginners yeah it is a 101 i guess after all of that being said it is a 101 <sighs> i hey look i'm excited too okay I'm excited too. It's gonna no, be a fun just... time for everybody. I love doing the one on ones. Honestly, and you know me, I'm gonna have to dial myself back on it anyway. So. I love doing the one on ones. It allows me to get back to basics. But right. uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, on mixlr.com/storyteller-conclave. 
and uh, join us up on our Discord. Uh, toss us some questions, talk with the other storytellers that are up there on our, uh, our Discord, bounce magic item and plot ideas off of them, whatever. Totally. We'd love to hear from you. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our named members who help us out every month. Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Subject, Huluvu, and Sean. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting us. All of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years give us these great stories to share with you. And, and aren't power gamers. <laughs> <laughs> who weren't power Some, Some, some of which some, were. They were. Uh, and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.